Hey, welcome to RushCast. My name's Jay Mantis. Thank you very much for listening. We're glad to have you here. It's been a long time. It's been about a year since we did a RushCast episode. And uh, I think we're ready to go. The goal right now is to do one episode every month. And as we discussed last January, 13 months ago, we will be in good shape, I think, once a month because we'll have enough content to really cram into like an hour episode uh, so that there's a, you know, it's easy to listen to. There's not a lot of dead space except for me talking. (laughs) Cool. So we've got a lot to do today. We got a lot to do next month. And you know what? I keep telling myself, this episode is going to be the hardest one to do because I haven't really been talking to you guys and you haven't been emailing me and we haven't been having discussions, which kind of in, uh, instigates discussion on the actual show. So uh, the next one will be easier. We'll have more digital discussions. Uh, the digital discussion segment, I should say, will come back and we'll have something to discuss each week. So I uh, here's something cool that happened um let's see last time you heard from me i was finishing up my grad work and um in the summer i got a position as a middle school music teacher in the first couple weeks i have my big rush poster it's the uh the cover of the first album it's huge i've got it hanging up in the corner of my music room and uh one of the veteran teachers in the building came into my room and immediately stopped and pointed and said, wait, Rush? I got all pumped up. I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. And it turns out he knew Rush. He, you know, and I had a Snakes and Arrows poster there as well. I was, he's like, I love Rush. I said, listen, dude, I don't just like Rush. I like every album. Like, I like the new stuff. I like the weird stuff from the 90s. I like it all. He was like, oh, dude, I like that stuff too. Uh, so he knew he had listened to snakes and arrows before he, um, I told him he'd probably love clockwork and he mentioned grace under pressure a few times. He said, uh, he's been through hold your fire and he did not like it. So it was, it was refreshing to see that he was pretty open-minded about the entirety of their catalog. He's in charge of the morning announcements. So he would always open up the morning announcements with like a classic rock song. So I sent him an email and I was like, we got to get rush on there. And he said, he said, all right, like send, send me a song. So I sent him the spirit of radio. I'm like, what do I want to hear at the very beginning of my work day? I want to hear spirit of radio. I think it's the best song to open up something like that. And, uh, the next day, sure enough, he played it. And that was a nice feeling (laughs) to hear rush over the entire school and the intercom system, that was fun. So one of the things we're going to do differently is when I ask you guys questions so that we can discuss on the next episode, we're going to do that through Google Forms. And uh, at work, we use Google Apps exclusively, and I always kind of thought they were clunky and didn't work right. I'm not sure I'm ready to change my mind on that yet, and I'll get to that in a second. But uh, they, for the most part, they work the right way, and they're really useful. So Google Forms is really easy for me to 
um, pose surveys to you guys. I'll ask a question or I'll say, select the song that whatever. And the way you're going to be able to fill out that survey, it's super easy, is you have to be on our mailing list. So if you're not on our mailing list already, I know a lot of you are, just send me an email. It's rushcast2112 at gmail.com. Tell me you want to be on the mailing list. And then each month I'll send you an email with uh, what we're planning on doing for the episode. And it should have a link to a question that I'll throw out to you guys. And you can answer it through Google Forms. And it's so great on my end because it organizes all your responses into pie charts and into a spreadsheet so I could see them so much more quickly. And I don't have to go through every single email at the end of the month and write them down, write down your responses. So I think that's going to work really well. The We'll get to it in a little bit. But the uh, I already sent one out to the people that were on the mailing list for this episode. And man, I don't... I'm doing something wrong on Google Forms, and I'm sh- I'm going to figure it out. But when I it look I get it all looking nice and pretty, and when I send it out to you guys, for some reason, even when I click on the link I sent, it looks awful. It's all disorganized, and some stuff doesn't work, and some stuff some stuff is like repeated. Questions are duplicated, and um, I'm gonna work that out for this next one. It'll look it'll be way easier than it was this time. However. Even though it looked ugly, you guys that saw the survey itself actually got your answers in. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. I have a couple like really short, I have three really short points um, to make about just, you know, I was listening to Rush on a couple occasions in the last few weeks and I, I noticed a few things. Uh, on the anniversary of Victor, I had a few like Instagram comment chats with Brandon Dyke, who who came on and talked at length about Alex Lifeson's solo record. And I started listening to that record. I'm like, you know, it's the anniversary of that podcast and that that release. I want to listen to that. One of the coolest parts about that record that I hadn't quite realized is the chorus of sending out a warning. There is nothing closer to what you guys know my other favorite band, Periphery, uh, progressive metal band. There is nothing closer to what that style is than the chorus of Sending Out a Warning. The guitar part is so angular, asymmetrical, jagged, and unpredictable. Um, it doesn't really make sense. You can't predict what, what the next note is going to be or what the pattern is going to be in the guitar part. It's just all over the place. And that's what I love about more, um, he- or I should say, heavier progressive music like Periphery. Is some of the riffs that they're creating are completely out of left field and don't really make sense functionally. So interesting to hear that come from Alex because I I have heard traces of that in Rush's music, but certainly in that song, it's like, oh, that that's a riff Periphery might write or something closer to what a heavier, more progressive band would do. Or I should say, not to say Rush isn't progressive, but a more modern metal group might write a riff like that. 
The other thing I noticed was um, Alien Shore, and I have a feeling during like a Counterparts episode I had mentioned this, or maybe the guitar solo episode, but it's worth mentioning again. You listen to Alien Shore, and you're like, this song is great in just about every single way, and then it gets to the guitar solo, and you you go, there are two people talking in this guitar solo. There's one person that's a little bit more calm and collected, and then there's this other person that is screaming at the first person. It's a dialogue. Where do we hear that elsewhere on the exact same album? We've mentioned it plenty of times. Cold Fire features a guitar solo by one person on one guitar, one instrumentalist, playing what sounds like two people having a conversation. Two people who have completely different voices. I think in Cold Fire you could probably you you could suggest that there it's a man and a woman speaking. And you know what? On Alien Shore probably as well. I think that entire album is a man versus woman kind of concept, right? Not man versus woman, but man and woman together. And um really interesting to hear. It's almost more obvious in Alien Shore to me where you get like two measures of one person talking like this and then immediately a response two measures of somebody screaming somebody who's it's it's very angry and agitated sounding um man the the guitar tone and the guitar solos on counterparts i can't speak enough about both of those things on that album really fantastic now Here's something I noticed about Limelight. I got into moving pictures. It's usually when I take a break, a really long break from Rush, it's like I come back and moving pictures is suddenly what it was to me when I first heard it, which was the first Rush album I ever heard. And, of course, I killed it, and I played it over and over and over, and now it it doesn't really do it for me anymore. I have an appreciation for it, but it's... uh. It's not as emotional for me as like a Counterparts or a Vapor Trails or a Power Windows. Really interesting. If you think, and I, you guys know me, and I don't dive into lyrics very often, and I'm going to try to do a lot more of that this year um, as we do an episode every once every month. And um, here, so here's my first whack at it. Limelight is about fame, right? It's about Neil or, you know, a celebrity's struggle with being in the limelight and having eyes on them all the time. But I've never considered, and maybe you guys have, and maybe I'm late to the party. Before I realized this, I would have considered moving pictures to be their big thrust into the lot into the limelight. I would have considered moving pictures to be their big shove into as close as they get to mainstream and popular music, right? Um, into the focus of normal people who aren't hardcore Rush fans. Now, you might say, no, that was 2112. And I certainly was not around for that, and I'm definitely not as educated as I'd like to be on the history of how that went down. But from in my perspective, and you could tell me that I'm wrong, or help me understand... 2112 was like, a, oh man, musicians and kind of guys in our scene, fans of this type of music, are now aware of us on a broad level. But Moving Pictures was a leap into the world of radio, 
and the world of top 40, etc. Not to say they weren't there beforehand, but that was their big push into that world. So it's interesting to me that when he wrote the lyrics to Limelight, it's almost like maybe he didn't even know, he didn't have a clue what it was like to be in the Limelight yet. Because that song and its subsequent, and its uh, corresponding album, those were the reasons that they got thrusted into that. Thrusted? Thrust? By the way, something I, I spent the last year retraining, learning how to say the word documentary. I saw your comments. It turns out it's an upstate New York thing. In New York City, nobody says documentary. Nobody says elementary. So I'm working in schools now, and I have to say the word elementary a lot. And I've learned that you can say elementary, elementary, but you cannot say elementary. And you certainly can't say documentary. So those are the... Um, downsides of having a podcast that people listen to is if there's a word you mispronounce you will hear about it <laughs> so i've i've been retraining myself everyone i asked in new york city how do you say this word elementary they go elementary like what how else would you say it everyone i ask upstate here in albany elementary it's got to be an accent thing like a regional thing everyone in the schools um that are associated with my school Oh, over in the elementary building. Elementary, elementary. So I got stuck on documentary somehow, and I'm, I'm changing those. If you listen to the last episode, it was about the time standstill documentary. It's cringy. <laughs> I apologize. I'll figure it out eventually. So Limelight is about fame. They don't, they don't, I don't really think they were quite as famous as they Maybe they thought they maybe they thought they couldn't get more famous, but they certainly did after moving pictures. So our digital discussion for this week. I'll get to the uh, the pitch to you guys in a second. We're gonna have two of them, because I like I said I already kind of gave the people on the mailing list one of them already. So I'm asking you. Well, first, let me tell you my experience. I had, um, as I was listening to moving pictures, and actually, I brought my jazz bass in, got a professional setup done. I'd never had that. I always thought I could set up my own bass, and I can, but man, this shop did such a great job on it. It feels like a brand new instrument. The strings are nice and low, completely fresh. I've got my pedal rig sounding more getty than ever. I sat down, I played through some songs on moving pictures. I don't know if there's a better song than Red Barchetta. I, I think if you told me Red Barchetta was the best song they had ever written, I don't think I would... I would have fought you on that last year or before this week. I would say you, you've you got a, a strong case. That song has everything. Now, I've said that about songs like Mission this song or Marathon. This song has everything Rush is. I don't think that's the case for Red Barchetta because it doesn't have this, the synthesizer use that it that um i think rush used enough synthesizers that that's kind of if you're gonna have a song that is everything they do you got to have some sort of synth in there which is why i think mission and marathon are perfect they have the perfect amount of synthesizers involved but man red barchetta is crafted perfectly not to say it represents rush and everything they did it's just perfect funky rhythms them, it's thematic themes come back and then they're altered slightly like 
um, the one section that comes back that's normally in four and it comes back in seven at the end of the song. That's the kind of thing that I love about Rush. Um, it translates live perfectly. They even they tweak some stuff live on it once in a while. It has a you can't call it a fade out ending. It's a very unique ending. It's just kind of everybody kind of drops out. Um, I guess technically it fades out on the record, but uh, when they play it live, they don't give it a hard ending. They Everybody kind of drops out one by one. A very unique. A bass solo at the end when they play it live. A bass solo when they play it in the studio as well, but much better live. It's got everything. Clean, distorted sounds, great lyrics. And it got me thinking about other songs that I kind of throw up into that category, which are, like I said, Marathon and Mission to a, you know, more so. And um, Time Stand Still, I've often said was, I don't remember how I used to word it, but it's their greatest pop song. Or I remember one of you listeners sent me an email and said it was the the best example of songwriting of any of their songs. It was, it was the most well-written in terms of songwriting. It being a pop song, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, that kind of thing. Um, so that's kind of my upper tiers, like Red Barchetta, Time Stand Still, Marathon, Mission, and I'm sure I could find another one if I sat down and really thought about it that kind of had everything. Maybe like an Animate. Animate's a little too poppy, a little too straightforward for me to say it represents everything that Rush is. It doesn't have any odd meter. You know, Time Stand Still has a bridge that's one, two, three. It, that's in seven. I had to think about it for a second. So this is my question to you. The digital discussion number one is what songs do you feel perfectly represent Rush? And again, you could be a little flexible on that and I'll have a spot for you to explain yourself. Um, but I want to know what, like what, what is your red barchetto? That's a song that's perfect. And, and like, go for it. If you think it's limelight, say limelight. Normally, uh, you know, we shy away from that kind of thing. Try to spread some love to other songs that don't really get love. But you know, if it's YYZ, go for it. If it's Tom Sawyer, if it's free will, free will, I think would be an example. I think if I sat down and listened to free will, which I haven't heard in a while, um, I would go, yeah, this has got everything. Another song that translates live uh, really well. Okay, this will be in the email I send out after this episode is released. I'll send all the forms that you need to fill out in order to participate in these surveys and answer these questions. Our second digital discussion is going to be, and it's going. It, I've already asked it to everybody in the mailing list. It's, what is the biggest travesty among the songs that never got played live? So I'm going to keep this survey open. Actually, you know what? This survey looks so bad, and I don't want my future surveys to look this bad. I'm looking at it right now. Let's close it for now, and um, we'll focus on just that first one for next time. And... We're going to do like a part two for this anyway. So I I broke it up into sections. Caress of Steel and 2112. Of all the songs that have ever been played live, uh, which would you choose? Fly by Night, A Farewell to Kings and Permanent Waves, Power Windows and Hold Your Fire, etc. Okay, let's go through the results. I wish this would let me 
see all the well anyway so the results of uh fly by night are not able to be seen man this is so jacked up i hope these are better in the future most people picked making memories for fly by night just about everybody there's one for rivendell two for rivendell Everybody else picked Making Memories, a couple for Before and After, but Making Memories was my vote, and I think, I mean, obviously, I think that's the obvious choice, but some of you differ from that opinion. On Caress of Steel in 2112, it looks like most of us are picking The Fountain of Lamneth. Uh, Lessons is a close second. A few people for Tears, just two, three. Um, I picked Lessons, I think... The Lessons is... I, I'm shocked it hadn't been played live ever. It, it's got good energy. It seems like a song that would transfer live pretty easily. Or I said trans, transfer, translate. I'm not sure which of those words works better. A Farewell to Kings and Permanent Waves. We only had two. We had Madrigal and we had Different Strings. Different Strings got 88% of the vote. And I do think Different Strings would work... Th- two very similar songs regarding mood um probably you might disagree two songs that really wouldn't work very well live unless it was a not an acoustic setting but more of like a toned down um you know just a change of pace kind of deal which they've done before i suppose that's not crazy but yeah i voted for different strings i think that song would work better live power windows and hold your fire Tyshawn, Second Nature, High Water, Emotion Detector, and Open Secrets. Uh, This is the one I stared at for so long. Tyshawn did get a couple votes. (laughs) Interesting. Um, Just about the same amount of votes for Second Nature. In third place was High Water. I sat there and thought, you know, I know people don't love High Water. I really do think that song might work well live you might think i'm crazy and there are people who heard middletown dreams live and went that's a great song it just it was not performed well i can i can see that happening with high water where they play it and there's just too much sequencing and there's too much to worry about synth wise and it just doesn't quite transfer i can hear the last note of the song being really cool live with like the bass pedals involved um but i did consider it and that had 16 percent of the vote at 29% of the vote in second place was Open Secrets. Another one I thought might be kind of cool live. I think in the end I decided it was too perfect in the studio. And I don't think they'd be able to capture that lightning that they caught in a bottle in the studio when they made Open Secrets. I think it's just perfect the way it is as a studio cut. And I don't think they need to do it live. Then we get to Emotion Detector. 45% of you voted for Emotion Detector. Almost half. And uh, among the five. You know, the energy in that song is too great to leave alone. I really think this is the biggest travesty, especially among these two albums of songs that never got played live. And the guitar solo is what sent me. I was like, that guitar solo is something I need to hear. And what's great about it, We've talked about what's great about it. We know what's awesome about that solo. However, 
there's no rhythm guitar behind it. It's like what we've come to expect from Rush guitar solos, which is just Getty filling the space on bass while he's soloing, while Alex is soloing. And uh, there's nothing easier to replicate live. You don't have to worry about backing tracks or sequencing anything. Um, a great ending, a really powerful part of the song that comes after the guitar solo. I really do think it would work, and I think it's a travesty it never happened. I mean, this is the only one off Power Windows we never heard. Um, it says something about Power Windows. All right, presto and roll the bones. Pretty close on this one. Actually, it's a it's an exact tie for first place. The options were Heresy, Face Up, Red Tide, The Big Wheel, Available Light, and Chain Lightning. And it goes in that order from the bottom up. So Heresy got a couple votes, uh, about 4%. Face Up got 12%. Red Tide got 12%. The Big Wheel got 12%. Then Available Light and Chain Lightning tied for first. I'm shocked that Available Light is suddenly becoming the, the like everyone's favorite b-side i'm really shy i love it um, it feels great um i never thought in a million years that that'd be a song people latch on to when rush petition was a thing we were voting on our the songs that hadn't been played live that we wanted to hear live i remember when middletown dreams was up there i was like oh yeah like i i get why people would love that song and glom onto it jacob's ladder was up there yeah i get why people want to hear that live never thought available light would get up there which is Cool to see. Um, and that's tied with Chain Lightning. Chain Lightning got my vote. Uh, it'd be cool to hear him replicate the reversed guitar solo live. I, My gut says he wouldn't try to replicate it. He would come up with a completely new solo. Maybe he'd improvise a solo every night or something to change it up. Uh, but a pretty pretty high-energy song that I think could have been performed live easily. I don't I don't know why they didn't. I'd love to ask them that. Counterparts and Tess for Echo. Another big win. So we have, let's see, I'll, I'll say them out of order. No, I'll say them in order. At the bottom, we have The Speed of Love, which got a couple votes, um, which is tied with Totem, The Color of Right, Dog Years. All tied for dead last. At 25, or uh, I'm sorry, at... 16 and a half percent everyday glory another song that i'm surprised people are latching on to but i uh, i know a lot of people really wanted to hear that song live and uh have an emotional attachment to that song 25 percent big chunk of the pie for second place is alien shore and then cut to the chase with 42 percent cut to the chase got my vote um i've talked about how i don't think alien shore could ever be performed live because of how much the guitar parts overlap, it'd be really I think it'd be really clunky if they tried to do it live. I think energy wise, of course it would work live, but I think the reason it never got performed at a show is because um, of how hard it would be. If you really listen to the guitar parts, there's too many being layered on top of each other. The solo overlaps with the rhythm part in ways that I'm not sure would ever be conducive to a live setting so cut to the chase i think would sound great and it sounds like you guys think the same 
vapor trails, and snakes and arrows. Of course, everything on clockwork was performed except for BU2B2. So um, we didn't include that. Really close race. In fact, it's a tie for first and it's a tie for second. So at the bottom is good news first with a couple votes. We hold on. The stars look down. Bravest face and out of the cradle. Now of those uh, songs that sat at the bottom, and, and by the way, this is the set of albums that had the most options because there's a lot of tracks on both of these albums and for some reason just much a big chunk of Vapor Trails never got performed live. Uh, my buddy Chad and I used to always say, We Hold On would be a great way to end a concert. It's a great way to end the album, and it would sound really cool at as the end of a show. Um, obviously, that would never happen. We Hold On is not a song people are super attached to. So of the uh, ones at the bottom, I'd pick We Hold On. Tied for second is Freeze and Nocturne. Really surprised Nocturne got so many votes. I don't hear people talking about that song very often. It'd be interesting for me to hear that because of the reversed drums in the intro. You hear Neil hitting his drums, but then you hear like a delay. Um, but the same thing he just played, but it's in reverse, uh, which creates that like sound over the top of what he's playing. Interesting to hear how that would sound live. Um, tied for first... Peaceable Kingdom, what? And Vapor Trail. I get people want to hear Vapor Trail. I want to hear Vapor Trail too. Um, I'm shocked Peaceable Kingdom's Kingdom is in there. I guess I had kind of forgotten that you guys really loved that song. I don't hold it very close to my heart. I think it's a good song and it's high energy. Uh, mo- now that I think about it, really surprising they just hadn't done that during the Vapor Trails tour. It seems like... It would have worked well. I voted for Freeze. I think Freeze would have been awesome. I think Freeze is one of my favorite songs. Or Freeze is one of my favorite songs on Vapor Trails. Uh, For the last few years, I've really been itching to hear that live. And a lot of you said, I want to hear that live if it's it's attached to the end of um, the Fear Trilogy. You know, play part one, two, and three, and then play Freeze. That'd be cool. It's hard for me to attach Freeze to that trilogy because they're so far removed from each other, but I agree that'd be pretty cool. So Vapor Trail and Peaceable Kingdom. So here's what we're going to do for our next round. Maybe I'll do this in this uh, coming email. Maybe we will do two digital discussions. We're going to take the winners of each section and we're going to put them into one big poll. So that we have, I guess it'll be somewhere around 10, considering there's a couple ties uh, for first. Well, there will be like like 10 options, and I want everyone to vote on one song that they think is the most. You know, maybe we'll do three rounds. You can, like I'll, I'll figure it out later. You'll, you'll be able to vote on two songs that you think are the biggest travesty that didn't get played live. And then we'll narrow it down to four. We'll take the top four, and we'll do one last round. Or something like that. Um, it'd be cool to just see, like, you know, as the options get slimmer, people are still voting and we'll have one true victor, so to speak. That'll be fun. Let's do it. Great idea, Jay. Oh, thank you, guys. I appreciate that. All right, I think I said everything I needed to say.
So about a year ago, I used to call these New World Guests. Am I still going to do that? I don't know. Maybe maybe we will. <laughs> or I'll just say, today I have a phone call, uh, a guest via phone call. Today that guest is Alec Pulianis. How are you, Alec? Doing well this morning. How are you, man? I'm good. I appreciate you uh, getting me out of bed and forcing <laughs> me to get, forcing me to get my errands done. I think most of the listeners of this podcast um, appreciate that, as I've been. Mm-hmm. It's been very difficult for me to get this thing rolling again and find some momentum. Yeah, you gotta I help me hear with that, that with all my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It's really hard to get momentum on side projects when life makes you busy enough. So I haven't well, actually we as in me and the listeners, uh, we haven't heard about you and your relationship with Rush in about a year, a little over a year. So yeah. how has it been? How, what have you been listening to? Is there any news that you know? We know there's not much news, but how, how has it been? Well, uh, I guess lately, what did I listen to? Um, I was listening to Hand Over Fist. <laughs> which then led into um, available light, and uh, I think that might have been spurred up by your poll that you sent out that I thought was overly difficult, <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was really difficult to choose one tune from two albums that every once in a while, particularly the uh, what was it Presto Roll the Bones and um, Grace Under Pressure Power Windows was that mm-hmm. the two? Yeah, yeah, uh, so that was, yeah, that was a tricky one. It was and. Uh, for sure, it no. wasn't fun. It, 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 it's painful to have to choose between them. And I thought, you know, Power Windows and, like you said, Grace Under Pressure, those were tough. Yeah, I definitely struggled uh, <laughs> trying to pick one song. It started off pretty easy, and then it got much harder. How did you like, get oh, How did you get on to Hand Over Fist as the first thing? I'm not sure I've ever said I'm going to listen to some Rush and started at the end of an album like that. Yeah, I don't know either. I just was like literally laying on the couch this morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, my girlfriend had just left. I was laying on the couch and I was like, you know what I want to hear? <laughs> I want to hear Hand Over Fist. Like it just came in my head and yeah. I just kept playing the album. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how it happened. Did you vote um, for Available Light? I did vote for Available Light yeah. um, after much tugging uh, and pulling in my inner psyche. Sure. Because <laughs> you know like, I did it as I did it as what song would I freak out the most if they played live? Not so much which song would probably be the best overall crowd pleaser. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because I never considered Available Light to be a song that, um, you know, okay, let's flash back to like 2010. Everyone mm-hmm. wanted to hear Middletown Dreams. Remember, it was like it was the most popular deep cut. That that right. only of all the hardcore fans, everyone wanted to hear Middletown, and I got that. I understood it. I maybe because I I think Middletown is amazing, but uh, it's starting to feel like that's the case for Available Light. Maybe it's just my show and talking to people on this show, but I've it it's striking me. It I'm very surprised by that that so many people are into it, and I think it's a great song. But I never thought in a million years I'd meet other people. Or a single other person that was like, oh, man, Available Light is killer. Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, it kind of reminds me of Mission in a way. Like, Mission, when I first heard they were playing that live, I did not buy it. I was like, I don't think this is going to be that good. And then it turned out to be one of my favorite songs yeah. live. So I think it could take a new life live. What, what is um, it about Mission that, what like, what are the similarities? 
or, or are you did. just mean for how how you perceived it at first? Well, par- partially because how I perceived it, but I think they also just build up on each other. Uh-huh. You know, like if they they both start off um, kind of slow, yeah. and and by the end though, it's really rocking. And I think available lights the same way. Like particularly, I think uh, Neil's drum fills are just epic in that song. Yeah. So, yeah, actually, I haven't listened to Mission forever. I should listen to that song again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like everything on Hold Your Fire, the studio cuts of those tracks on that album are perfect. You know, actually, yeah. I, I Mission might be one of the few that I think got like an extra kick live. There's so much layering on Hold Your Fire that it, it almost feels mm-hmm. like when, when they play them live, there's either too much layering or not enough. Like, Force 10 is a lot louder live, mm-hmm. you know? I shouldn't well, say li- that. Time Stand Still, I thought, sounded great live, you know? Well, live, uh, they actually finished the, the guitar solo in Mission. Of course. Which I think is a huge, <laughs> a huge win. <laughs> and, and I don't uh, know. If, well, did, did you say you hadn't heard the song until you saw the Snakes and Arrows tour? I hadn't heard the song until I knew they were playing it on the Snakes and Arrows tour. So, like, when the set list came out and I saw it, I was like, I don't know Mission. Let me go listen to that one. Oh, uh, okay. And that was the only song on the whole set list where I was like, I don't know about this song. Yeah. And I don't think I even knew about that song going into the first show. Like, I don't think I had come around on it. Yeah. And then when I heard it on the first show, um, I really liked it. I think also, like, that, um, I guess, like, Marimba part. Uh-huh. Is that what that is? Like, that part's really solid um, and definitely got everyone hyped up at the show. And it's only for a few seconds. There's like four measures of that, and then they're back into the rest of the song. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've told the story a bunch, but since we're reminiscing and I'm repeating myself as I haven't done this in so long, uh, this mm-hmm. show, when I saw Snakes and Arrows, it was similar to what you were just saying when I saw the my first show in 2007. The first leg they played, Entre Nu, was the third song, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. and uh i didn't know what it, it was called i knew i'd heard it but i didn't know the title yet mm-hmm. and then of course i went and drilled that like the whole year i made sure i knew that song and then the second leg of the tour they didn't play it they played um ghost of a chance which was another song i didn't know <laughs> i thought i knew them all they picked like the five that i wasn't sure of and then went back and and listened to that one again and it's, it's always funny, like, I had heard Ghost of a Chance, but I didn't like it. I was like, this song's lame. <clears throat> uh, and then once the band plays it, that's their way of going, this song is most definitely not lame. That we, <laughs> we respect this song, and just them saying that and performing it live makes you go, oh, I'm definitely missing something here. I wonder, like, what's a song they yeah, played live point. where you're like, you guys shouldn't have played that live, where you still aren't buying it? I don't know if oh, I have. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know if I have one because I think there's enough songs that they didn't play live that uh, were super good. You know, <laughs> like um, I don't. I'm a little sad that they gave up on uh, Nobody's Hero. Like they played it once, I guess, on the time uh, our Test Record tour, and I would have loved to hear that song. I agree, and and I'm sure you've heard videos from like on YouTube from when they were playing it. And it's mm-hmm. fantastic. It it really did sound pretty good. Yeah, I I really wish that I had the opportunity to see that in person. Um, it's one of my favorites, honestly. Uh, it's weird. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to say that when there are so many good songs I would say that about. 
like oh i can yeah. say that i've got 40 different rush songs <laughs> and they only have like 150 <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah i really appreciate that song. and it, it reminds me of the way ceiling unlimited got treated i think they played mm-hmm. ceiling for like half a tour or something um in my head i always think they played it opening night and then it never saw the light of day but i think from my vapor trails episode um our guest was talking about how they they played it actually for like half the tour or something but um that's another one that you would think immediately that one would translate live well and apparently not if they got rid of it yeah i'm curious about why they did that i would have to go online and see some youtube videos and see if there's a reason and if i remember correctly don't they they usually if they're gonna do that like get rid of a b-side they throw it they like replace it with limelight you know what I mean? They replace it with something they, where you're like, are you do. kidding? Well, I remember I was really disappointed when um, they did uh, Distant Early Warning um, to replace Summertime Blues. So I caught the show early enough in the tour uh, in 2007 where they played Summertime Blues. Oh. And I love I loved Distant Early Warning. Yeah. Love, love, love it. And I'm just like, you know, Summertime Blues isn't actually their song. It was cool, but like, I love Distant Early Warning. And, um, it wasn't until R40 came around that I actually ever got to hear Distant Early Morning. Uh, <laughs> so, like, you know, like, I was like, I missed it on that tour, and then they didn't play it, um, I guess, when it came back around, because, I, I, yeah, I guess the second leg, they didn't play Distant Early Morning, they played something else. I don't remember what it was. Well, the, the, but, the one I'm thinking of, the example I'm thinking of is the Clockwork Angels tour, where they had that, they were, um, that famous, like, set list rotation, you know? Oh, yeah, like, it was like, Went up a to like F. Yeah, A through F, I think, eventually. Yeah. But it was essentially like a three set rotation and uh I think it was a two set rotation for a while, but uh they were rotating Middletown Dreams out with Limelight. And I'm like, that is so unfair. You know what I mean? Yep. Like you gotta do yep, yep, you, yep. they have to that. be equals. If you're rotating free will with limelight, it's like, Oh, okay. I'm gonna get one of those radio hits. But you don't you don't rotate available light with Tom Sawyer, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's exactly yeah. I remember that so well when it was it was a two set list, and then on the third, <laughs> the first one comes out as limelight, and I was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> <laughs> We've heard this a million times. So which yeah. um which hold your fire song did you pick from the list from the, um, the poll that I sent out? Wasn't it uh, Open Secrets? I think it was Open Secrets. Well, actually, because I can't, I don't think I can see who voted yeah, for what. I, I'm pretty sure I ended up on because what was it? What were the two albums? I think it was, was it Hold Your, Hold Your Fire, Fire and Presto. Oh, maybe oh, was, maybe you took available. If it, was Light. Hold Your, if it was Hold Your Fire and Presto, I did go with Available Light, but I was I had it on uh, Open Secrets for a while. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> was I the one it. that stopped me in my tracks, and I'm like, I gotta think about this one. Yeah. If it was every album, it would have been like slightly easier, but not even that much better. Yeah. Um, so, so, how do you feel about the uh, the quote unquote news that Rush is done? Oh uh, yeah, the Alex interview. Yeah. I mean, it it got a few more like mentions to me. Like you know, some random people who know me are like, "Oh, did you hear about this?" Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, uh, that's that's a thing. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's not really news, right? Like, right. we kind of have known this for a while. Yeah, you, um, you, was... and me, and everyone listening to the show were like, "Yeah, what?" So, <laughs> I guess the biggest thing for me is like, I may I had a sliver of hope that they might play some music again. I think the reason they don't want to 
make an album again is because I think they think it's a slippery slope. Like if they get together and they do that, then what's going to stop them from wanting to tour or like get like, you know, teasing our appetites just a little too much. Um, I think they ended on a really high note. I think it's fair for them to mm-hmm. just, you know, uh, end like that. Um, I still really want a Getty Lee solo album. I wouldn't be surprised if it happens decently soon. I honestly want Getty Lee to play with Yes. That was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, he actually filled in so nicely there. Yeah. And um, it'd be awesome if he got to play with Yes. Um, well, I, I agree but... with all of that, and I think you're right. <laughs> I think a Getty Lee solo album is around the corner. And it seems like Alex is really digging the uh, guest appearance gig. Yeah. You know, like, he's totally to content too. just going around and playing solos on other people's albums. Mm-hmm. And, like, being a producer and just, like, helping out uh, young artists. So that's definitely pretty cool. The last episode I made, I said, you know, they're retiring and that's a good thing because they're not, that means we have a decision now and they're Getty's going to have a solo album. And I said, mark it down within two years from this point. So we're at the one year point. I'm a little nervous <laughs> because he hasn't <laughs> been talking about it and he's got that book in the works. But, um, I do right. think in the near future, like you said, we'll have something from him. Yeah, I think at least one album from him. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that's all we get. Yep. But I'd be more I'd be more surprised if he never writes a, a song and and releases it. Or maybe it's not an album. Maybe in the you know the digital era it's a couple singles. Yeah. I mean that's fine too. Uh, but I'd be very surprised if he never makes a Getty Lee like titled um, song. Not him on some other band's thing. I think it'd be him. Yeah, that's really well uh, said. Like. like you'd be more surprised if he did nothing. And, and I think you're right. He at least one and likely only one, but you know, obviously we'll take as much as we can get. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think from a songwriting perspective, it's extremely clear to me that Getty has a lot to do with it. And they say that in their interviews, but if you listen to, um, <laughs> it's funny, actually, I'll listen to my favorite headache and because it's Getty Lee singing, Rachel did not know it wasn't a rush album. Yeah. Right. Like it sounded just like, anything rush would make yeah um and and that's i think indicative of the fact that like if he were to make something we'd basically get another rush album like obviously it's not the same because you don't have neil's lyrics you don't have alex and neil playing but i think from a compositional standpoint and there's plenty of great musicians out there it will be very similar to a rush album yeah it's kind of nice that you would get a totally new band put together but with you know 60 percent of rush injected into it with Getty having mm-hmm. a little bit more weight in the songwriting process, maybe. Or the fact that you right. have the vocals and the bass, two of the parts of Rush. Um, right, exactly. Into mm-hmm. that band. I can't wait. I, I think I really do think it's going to happen. And then we'll have something totally fresh to talk about. That'd be great. That'd be great. Exactly. <laughs> we need fresh content, guys. <laughs> Alec, thanks for coming on, dude. Oh, yeah, no problem, dude. It was nice talking to you. And, uh, Let's, let's try to get another uh, Rush get-together in New York. I'd love to come back up. Oh, yeah, for sure. We'll try to make that happen. All right, man. Well, have a good rest of your day. Can't wait to listen to the rest of the show. You got it, man. Thanks so much. See, uh, Well, I won't see you soon, but I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Later. This episode was kind of tough because it's been so long since the last one. I don't have much feedback from you guys, the listeners, um, for, for me to – to work on or for more dialogue. So uh, the, the episodes from here on out will be a bit easier in that regard. 
we'll have people emailing me. We'll have plenty of surveys to talk about the results of, and uh, yeah, we'll go from there. However, today I have a second guest to bring on just to kind of fill up the space and get some other people talking that aren't me and my obnoxious voice. Uh, so please welcome correspondent Chad Whitco. What's up, Chad? Hey, Jay. What's going on, man? Not much. I'm glad to have you back on the show. Love talking to you about my favorite band. Yeah, well, it's good to be back. I know it's been actually quite a while since I was here. Uh, I was thinking that it's probably been at least R40, maybe, since I was actually on air with you at the same time, besides a few send-in clips. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's good to be back. So what was the, uh, I usually start with this, what was the last thing you listened to? Yeah, um, the last thing I listened to was kind of actually not my choosing in many ways. Uh, I last listened to portions of uh, Moving Pictures, and I was doing uh, a group thing with some people a couple weeks ago. Um, I, as some people might know, you know, I'm an environmental biologist, and I specialize in bird conservation. And I was taking part in a birding competition, a team birding competition, and I found out that one of my teammates, a uh, guy's a little bit older than me, is actually a huge Rush fan. Hmm. And um, you know, and it was in a, it was in an email to the group, and we we're preparing for you know this competition coming up. And I was making some uh, countdown references to you know, here we go, it's counting down, we're almost there. And I of course threw in the ever cheeky final countdown video from yep. Europe. And then uh, at the end, I was like, you know, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to put in Countdown from Rush. And, you know, this guy responded and, you know, he totally knew what it was. And, you know, I was like, oh, this is great. You know, we got to get a, a driving mix going. And he, he listed a few, you know, deep cut Rush tunes like, you know, Between the Wheels and Driven, uh, Red Barchetta. And uh, so, yeah, it was really cool that he was into it. And when we got together for the day of the competition, uh, he brought along a moving picture CD and, you know, we were, it was actually the day before the competition started. We were, the group of us were heading out, grab some dinner at a local kind of like uh brew pub type place. And so we were just listening to some moving pictures on the way out. And yeah, it was great. It was, it was fun to listen to that album, uh, not by my own choosing, because quite often I will choose around that album if I had my choice. I'm the same way. So it's interesting to, when you find a new fan to kind of gauge what, either how much of the catalog they actually like um, or what era they like. So I always find it interesting. You said he mentioned, you know, he knew Countdown. um, He knew Between the Wheels. And then he mentioned Driven. And right there, I'm like, oh, (laughs) he he spans quite a, a wide array of albums. And I wonder, like, where do you think that threshold is where somebody mentions a song and it's, if it's past that threshold, you know, Oh, they're into the new stuff, the more modern stuff as well. Like, I think for me, that threshold might be like, hold your fire onward. If somebody's like, I love hemispheres, you know, limelight camera. eye are some of my favorite songs. Most of the songs on grace under pressure, I think are amazing. And then uh, also show don't tell is fantastic right there. I'm like, oh, you crossed the threshold. I know you're into the more modern stuff. I know you didn't abandon the band when it came to like the mid eighties. Right. Where's that threshold for you? Yeah, I it's it's around that era. And uh, you know, it's that hold your fire I think it's that hold your fire presto kind of era. 
Um, but I, you know, I would also argue that there's that there's another dividing line, you know, maybe like vapor trails and snakes too, where, you know, like that's the really obviously more, more modern stuff from the band. And I think that that's another juncture, but the, the problem with that is I realize uh, it could be people just catching them live um, over the last few years and being like, Oh yeah. Like I saw snakes, you know, cause right. maybe they just want to see a concert and they're like, Oh yeah, I got into that and I moved on. But yeah, as far as like the, the fans that go, way back and kind of span through i would say it's around that hold your fire presto range uh, i know for this guy i asked him specifically i was like so what era you know do you do you most like and um, for sure he's definitely into the the early stuff he said um and you know but i think he he, he mentioned all the way up to hold your fire and was talking about his experience with that album so it's fun to it's fun to get that because every time you know you, you meet somebody and you're like oh you're a rush fan and then you're like what's your favorite album and moving pictures comes out or you know what's your favorite song and it's you know limelight or something like you know you, you kind of retract a little bit and like oh okay we're gonna have a limited conversation yeah. now <laughs> one of the things i was talking about earlier in this episode was how i I took a break from this podcast and I also took a break from listening to Rush. I was trying to listen to other things. And I mentioned to you before we started recording that I only listen to Rush when I can't fall asleep or I'm in a bad mood and I need to get out of it because it's more nostalgia for me now. I know every note to every song in my head. You know, I'm not going to hear something new in in a way. And uh, yeah, there's just something about Oh, I totally lost it. What was I saying? <laughs> um, Were you wondering about what that is for me? Like what sparks listening to Rush again for me? Is that where you're going? Uh, sure. Let's let's go with that. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, you know, I think uh, it's it's kind of like you said. Like I'm in the same boat. You know, I I know their catalog so well in my head in so many ways that you know. I, mean, I, I would listen to them every day and I would not get burnt out on them. Um, but I do try to have a more expansive, I guess, uh, touch on music. And, and, you know, there's times like I'll just get way deep into progressive stuff and just, you know, really love going down that, that road. And there's times I'm just like, I just need to listen to something where I can zone out and, you know, that'd be anything like current pop, current hip hop, anything that, you know, like working at the gym or whatever. So I, I can span that whole thing, but, coming back to rush, you know, for me, it, it's a special, it's a special thing. And, um, I, I think it does tend to go back towards that nostalgia. You know, there's, it's usually coming around a time where I think like emotionally, um, I'm trying to ground myself in some way perhaps. And, uh, you know, and it could be that, you know, I'm having an awesome time. And, and I think back to something where, you know, Rush's music was prevalent in my life and, you know, we associate memories and things with music. And so, I'll, you know, I kind of spark that to, to come back on, or, you know, maybe it's like you said, like you're having a rough day. I mean, you know, I listen to the music, obviously of Rush for so many reasons, but one of them is just, I mean, I identify so well with Neil's kind of introspectiveness that for me, like, I, I think if I'm going through something similar, you know, it, it's easy to connect. Mm -hmm. So I, it's crazy how sometimes I feel like I'm 75 years old. I do remember now. <laughs> I've got it. Um, you were mentioning moving pictures. 
And yeah. uh, after a year of really not jumping into Rush as heavily as I used to and only listening to like my top five favorite albums, um, Moving Pictures might be the album I listened historically have listened to the least because I drilled it so hard when I first got into the band. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, it killed those songs for me. Like they're just, I played them so much. But that's always the album that I come back to because, or I, I don't know why, but when I take a break and I hear a Moving Pictures song, I stop and go, wow, this this album has everything. This album is perfect. And I and I would I say Power Windows is perfect. However, I never get sick of Power Windows. I listen to it all the time. Something about Moving Pictures where maybe it's because a lot of them are on the radio or whatever, but man... Some of those songs could not be better in the tone, the drum tone, bass tone, guitar tone on all of those tracks is fantastic. Um, always interesting to me that I go back to moving pictures and go, this really is a gem. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's something that I think I've skipped around on because, you know, I grew up, you know, listening to some LPs, you know, from my father and you know, he had moving pictures on LP. Um, so I remember listening to it as a kid, like really young, like, you know, eighties for sure. And, you know, it's something that as I got older and I started getting into the band more independently, obviously that's a great album to explore, to really like dig deep in, you know, because the, the, the tunes are so accessible in many ways, but, you know, just listen to the other day in the car, you know, I mean, the, the volume was at like a, moderate level so people could chat and everything and you know i just found myself straining to listen past the the conversation because i was like oh you know here comes this part you know and or here's the camera eye and i just like thinking back to all these things that i love about that album that is so good and even now like one of the things i'm realizing about that album that i think i don't realize all the time um because i mean as you know i really dig a lot of the the more progressive stuff um, that's one of the eras I really like about Rush, so like Hemispheres. And, you know, of course, you have Permanent Waves afterwards, which is a really good natural extension. It's that bridge almost between Hemispheres and oh, yeah. moving pictures. It's poppy and it's proggy in the, it, right. at the exact same time. But you know what? When listening to moving pictures, there's definitely parts of it where, like, I think that extends, I think, further into that album than I realize at times. Like, there's some really good progressive stuff going on there. And, it's more it's more in a pop kind of box it's more like a standard radio tune you know structure Mm -hmm. um but just listen to it the other day just like hearing some of the stuff on it and you know it's just it's a great album because i think it 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 really does span that progressive era more than i think some people realize and you know things like um uh some of the tunes here but like um uh, vital signs um how that just seems to be like such a natural kind of like forecast for like the albums to come so you know it's 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 a good album and uh it's something that i think i'll listen to again you know in the near future i know that's something you and i used to talk about when we would just call each other and geek out years ago <laughs> yeah it's how, been years now it was how the last song of al you know most albums kind of foreshadows what you're going to hear in the next one and I think that's right. definitely true for Vital Signs. Um, it's true for Mystic Rhythms, in my opinion. Uh, Between the Wheels, maybe. 
you know, mm. it's pretty guitar heavy. I, I think that's like kind of a nice gauge as to what you might get on the next album, which would be interesting to consider for the garden. I think the garden, if there were another album after clockwork would be, probably be the outlier where you're like, Oh, well <laughs> we're not going to have an entire album. That sounds like the garden, but sure. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny you mention that because, you know, we were talking briefly before um, we started recording today, and, you know, that was something that I kind of, you know, postulated was like, you know, if Rush were to continue, you know, it's kind of fun to think, you know, where would the direction go? Um, and I think, you know, there's, they seem to have that cycle where they just tend to, like, go down a path, and you can kind of see, you, can, you know, you can connect the dots pretty easily, and then it's kind of like, whoa, reset, you know, and they, and they jump around to something slightly different or a slightly different path or whatever, and um, I don't know, like, I don't know if they would have continued down that path, because I think, like, clockwork, you know, really seemed, I mean, I, you know, I think that kind of, like, goes back to, you know, even vapor trails in many ways, like, where, it, you know, where it started, some of its origins, and how it continued down, um, I don't know. I don't know what they would have done next, but it's fun to think about. And I think, uh, you know, there might've been that kind of sentimentality of the garden kind of coming into the music, but, you know, I don't know. It'd have been fun to see what direction they would have went in this time around. Isn't it crazy to think that it was three years ago when we went and saw R40 in New York? Yeah, it's, it is crazy actually. Um, it's it's hard to believe that time has gone by that fast and you know for the guys uh you know i i used to follow neil's uh website pretty strongly and and i used to read his blog posts and i haven't followed him so much over the last couple years i think mostly just i don't know like maybe it's a sense of you know the guy's done and like i almost feel like you know just give him the space in all ways but uh you know i've been following getty lee um, especially on things like Instagram and, you know, it seems like they're all having the time of their life these days. So you know, good for them. Yeah. And man, clockwork was 2012, right? That's, it still feels like a brand new album. It was six years ago. Yeah. I feel like I still have a lot of mileage to put on that album. Yeah. I mean, I put it, I put a lot on when it first came out for sure. But I think that, you know, I still, that's one of the albums I think I could, I could grip my teeth into a little bit more. Um, and it also might be that I just haven't listened to it that much over the last few years because it is the most recent thing. Um, you know, when you, when you have such an expansive range of catalog, it's easy to jump around and, I, um, I had this thought re- this year, I guess last month, first month of 2018. And I thought this is right around the time where we would probably start hearing or have a new Rush album had they mm. made plans to make another one. They usually waited about five years, maybe a little longer. Um, that's weird to think about it, where, like, this is where we'd be getting a new one, and we're definitely not getting a new one. <laughs> right. Yeah. So what about... Like, go ahead. I was going to say, it's kind of like that feeling of, like, you know, you're anticipating it, and then you're like, oh, wait, no, not this time. Yeah. So... Have you read any, I know you, you're a lot more well-read than I am when it comes to Neil's writing. Who was it? Is it Getty and Neil who are into birding or something? Yeah, I mean, definitely, 
definitely Neil and Getty as well. I don't know so much about Alex, but those those are the two that are, are more into it. What can you explain to, to definitely to me because I don't know anything about this and to the people listening, um, what kind of stuff they were interested in? Was there anything that struck you or surprised you about what they were doing regarding birds? Yeah, you the expert. Yeah, me, me the expert. Um, I think I first encountered um, their kind of. Uh, interest in it with neil and maybe it was ghost rider it was one of his solo journeys and you know he talked about the birds that he saw and um i think you know he used it in a literary sense of just kind of connecting you to a place because you know if you travel across the country you're going to see different types of birds and bird species um wherever you go you know there's, there's variation across the you know the globe like that so I think for him, it's a sense of connecting you to place. Um, but, you know, as, as a person that's a birder, um, it's for me, it's a way that I connect to the natural world. It's a way that I understand the world around me. Um, birds are these ecosystem indicators. Um, that's kind of a term that, you know, us biologists use. And they kind of are the canary in the coal mine, you know. So um, people in the old coal mining days would take you know small birds and cages down with them and if the bird you know passed out or died you knew that there's you know bad gases going on so you got the hell out of there and so you know you can use that today and uh you know i i connect with it that way and i also you know use their migrations as like a sense it's kind of like you know it's like a new rush album you know it's kind of it's one of the ways that i judge the passing of time and i think that was true for neil i mean i think neil was definitely um you know in his travels he you know he used those types of things as as kind of like a barometer of where he was at um and i think he just you know i think he just finds a lot of beauty in the natural world it seems you know from his writing uh for getty i think i don't know so much about it, his connection with it but you know i just remember seeing a few interviews where people are like hey you know what are you into and that was just one of the things that he had listed so you know, real renaissance men, I think, as it were. Are you in the middle of reading one of Neil's books? Uh, currently, I'm not. I, I haven't read one of his books for quite a while. In fact, I'm not sure if I read the last one, truthfully. Yeah. Oh, actually, no, I listened to an audiobook. Um, I thought so. Yeah, I forget the uh, the title of it. Uh, um, I think it's Far and Wide. I think that's it, yeah. Because I listened to an audiobook, so I got some free thing through Audible, and that was one I chose, and Honestly, disappointed it wasn't Neil who was narrating it. I think it would have been better, but yeah, uh, but yeah, it was, it was good. It was a good book. Every podcast ends with an Audible ad, and here we are. <laughs> right. Chat. If only you were sponsored. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, dude. I hope it's not the last time, and uh, you know, I'm looking forward to hearing what some of the viewers, you know, have to say. And you know, it's been a while since you know you've been on the air, and I think it's been a while since there's been a lot of rush-worthy news. So, you know, I'm looking forward to hearing what other fans are into and and how they're kind of keeping that rush experience going. Because without them touring, you know, it's a, it's a whole new experience these days. I appreciate that, and yeah, I hope I'm hoping to have uh, some meaningful discussion. You know, have something yeah. to consume since we don't have rush anymore. Well, if I got anything good, I'll throw it your way. I appreciate it. Yeah, I always like your uh, your recordings that you send in. Yeah, sounds good. Great. Uh, all right, we'll talk to you soon, man. All right, have a good one, Jay. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you 
in a month. Check out our uh, mailing list, rushcast2112 at gmail.com, so that you can participate in our super fun games. See you guys later. Yeah.